As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop Chef Quality Pots and Pans at MadeInCookware.com. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. Welcome to Pod Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm John Lovett. I'm Dan Pfeiffer. We just watched the second Republican debate at the Ronald Reagan Library in California, right here in the state of California. That was quite a debate. Quite a debate, guys. If you missed the debate, which I hope you did, here's just a, a flavor of, of what it was like. And I will say something. I think you have more than time to explain yeah. your point. Well, if I, I was interrupted by a lot of people here, and I want to be respectful I've because I yeah. believe these you were are respectful people, last debate. But I do not yeah. believe in these. We're sitting here in the Reagan Library. Yes, I wish you would do not In honor of Ronald Reagan's library, if I may. Well, from one, Tim, listen, from one hey, admirer listen, of Ronald all, Reagan all to I'm another. From one admirer of Reagan to another, we cannot do deals with violence. This is productive. I want to hear about that. I let's can't, have I a can't policy even debate. What's going on? I'll, let I'll us have a policy debate. Let's have a policy debate. Let's have, let's have, their record. Let's have, have a policy answer. debate. Yeah. And the right answer is we I need to declare independence from China. Thank you very and much. I will see that through. Worse than I remember. None of you would suck Reagan's cock the way I would. I'd get the job done. I'd get it done. I just, we should point out that that was one of the more exciting parts of the debate. Yeah, it was a real slog. <laughs> uh, general impressions, Dan. Watch I it. like him. <laughs> <laughs> we're a little punchy here. It's late at night. <laughs> yeah. We're tired. We're bored. We're drinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what anyone was doing. The moderators, the candidates. It was a giant waste of time, and I was offended as a television viewer and a political professional because I don't know what any of them were doing. I want to get read you a statement about the debate. Okay. Tonight's GOP debate was as boring and inconsequential as the first debate, and nothing that was said will change the dynamics of the primary contest being dominated by President Trump. The RNC should immediately put an end to any further primary debates. Agree with the Trump campaign senior advisor, Chris Lesavita. <laughs> this is like when somebody reads something from the Unabomber manifesto, and it's like, it was the Unabomber. Now how do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I have, haven't agreed with any statement tonight more than that. Yeah, what a waste of fucking time. I mean, no, I mean like, we, we'll get to Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley seemed to have a plan and actually do something. While she was standing there again, for two hours. Again, on Earth 2. Yeah. When, <laughs> yeah. There's like a, when, there, when there's like another Republican primary and well, uh, I, with, just with the people that were on the sure, stage. Sure, no, and, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not defending it. <laughs> Robert Costa, reporter at CBS, uh, tweeted, Lots of angst tonight among my top GOP sources about this debate. Donors concerned. Flurry of texts. Questions about where this race goes from here. They wonder, can anybody have a breakout moment? No. Should, the answer is no. Do you know where it goes from here? Here. Yeah. Where we are. Where we have been for months with Donald Trump winning easily and no one trying to beat him. It was wild. Like, there was a little more... They leaned in a little harder on the Trump attacks tonight. Mm-hmm. On one thing. Him not being at the debate. The absolute yeah. stupidest thing in the world. Donald Trump was found guilty of fraud yesterday. No one mentioned it. He threatened to kill the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff this weekend. No didn't one mentioned come up. It. Didn't way, come up. Moderator didn't, didn't bring it up. <laughs> Several of them know personally. <laughs> Just on a human level. 
It's really unbelievable. Uh, DeSantis went after Trump a little on abortion. Yeah, let's for like look. a sec. But he he for a second. I'm just hey, he said I wish he was at to... the debate to defend his comments. And, right, 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 right. And right. their favorite thing, they all go after him on an adding to the debt. This is the to to the Republicans on that stage. The worst sin that Donald Trump committed in four years as president is that he was uh, he was a little profligate. Yeah, <laughs> is that is that why those people were trying to rip the cops limb from limb? <laughs> Was it was it the deficit <laughs> of the out years? De- <laughs> Is that what it was? I didn't know what it was. Uh, so let's go through candidate by candidate. It was a terrible debate. I, like there was nothing, uh, there's, there's, there's nothing really interesting about it. Ron, but DeSantis, keep listening. Please. But keep listening. Well, we'll get into it. Ron DeSantis. Uh, first of all, it took uh, I counted 16 minutes into the debate uh, for Ron DeSantis to even speak. It didn't even seem like he was there. And then best 60 minutes he's had in months. <laughs> and then finally, finally, he spoke. And this is what he said. Where's Joe Biden? He's completely missing in action from leadership. And you know who else is missing in action? Donald Trump is missing in action. He should be on this stage tonight. He owes it to you to defend his record where they added seven point eight trillion to the debt. So that was that was Ron's big moment. What would you guys think about Ron DeSantis tonight, huh? just it's nothing it's just nothing this guy this so guy. no one has no one has told him in debate prep to fix the face stuff i don't think it's fixable or the voice think... you can't fix the face can't fix the voice well none of those thank you that's a first of all it's a hard thing just I mean, they, these people in the debate prep with ron DeSantis, he may not be a person but maybe they are and it's a <laughs> tough thing to bring up hey we think one of our problems is your face <laughs> and the noises that it makes when it communicates. Well, That's a tough just, thing to fix. Every single answer he finishes, he just sits there and he gives this weird, weird half grin, half smirking for the camera. It's very uncomfortable. Well, they're all very rehearsed. His cadence is very rehearsed. Even that Joe Biden line was all very rehearsed. And they all of them have this way of speaking in these debates. Tim Scott does it. Vivek does it. Ron DeSantis does it. Uh, uh, Nikki Haley does it. They all do it, which is this kind of like 90s style sentences like we're gonna take them down and go up to the top and they they want us to they want us to give up well we're not gonna give in and you can't surrender because of my strength and we're gonna have victory not victimhood and we're it gonna just turn up work. the heat and turn, turn this america campaign. around and see that was one that worked i'm really glad you brought it up that's a good Deep example cut. of how it can work famously in iowa in 2007 16 years ago before the iphone it was a really good moment i think you are correct that a lot of them do that but desantis is the worst there's like way too much alliteration all of it sound canned like trump's attack on desantis is that he is a like of washington he's part of the swamp and everyone's like well that's weird because he's like governor of florida but he sounds like a washington no one on that stage sounds like a wash except maybe mike pence sounds like a washington politician more than ron DeSantis. yeah and it's it is really effective too because all Ron DeSantis wants to do is sit in a room and work really hard on the sentence he's going to re- use to rebut the argument that he pre-plans everything he says and sounds like an automaton, and he can't get out of it. And he just and and he had all, he, his strategy tonight was he kept going after the DC elites, like someone must have told him you got to be in, you got to get your outsider status back. So he, he every single answer he hit the DC elites. What what, what was that? You know who about? people don't think is a DC elite? Donald Trump. Right. That's why it's just a weird. This, I, this is true of every single person. Donald Trump is up by 30 points in Iowa and 30 points in New Hampshire. But in the, the CBS poll that came out yesterday, 80% of the voters in both of those states are open to someone other than Trump. And no one tried to do anything about that dynamic. It's in, it like... Because I, th- th- I think they don't know why people why that many people are open to someone besides trump like they haven't figured out they haven't tried they haven't tried a single argument <laughs> yeah they have the idea is the idea he that spent too much money spent too much money yeah it's it's insane just if i don't think any of them want to win or they think that they've decided they can't win and they're trying to just navigate the land the plane of their failing campaign in a way that maximizes their position in a trump republican party or they believe that nothing they can do can change the fundamentals of this race so they want to be there as the first among fucking duds in case something changes in the criminal process in the in the race that's outside of their control unless he dies that's it 
They're just waiting in, in case he dies. They want to be there. I think that there's like nothing. There's no other reason. Really. I mean, the trial's not starting until yeah, after all the delegates are allocated. Right. At the most optimistic case. I mean, do we think a conviction at this point would sway the Republican electorate? I think I don't, if these people I, I, knew I, what would sway the Republican it. electorate, they'd be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> also, by the way, uh, as they're all doing this, uh, Donald Trump earlier, we're going to play a clip of his, his speech in a bit, but uh, a part of his speech in, in Detroit, he said that um, none of the people running he would pick as vice president. It's, just it's, said it tonight right before the debate. It's incredible. These people are picking these little fights with each other. Tim Scott's going after Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley's going after Vivek. Vivek is going after Chris Christie. Meanwhile, Trump's in South Carolina. But you hear about this? These whales are dying up by 40 <laughs> fucking points. <laughs> Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Uh, a Republican consultant who is supporting Ron DeSantis said to Semaphore before the debate, if he doesn't do well here, in my opinion, he's got to drop out if he doesn't want to be embarrassed. Do you think he did well enough not to drop out? I think that's a time machine question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, he was, I, I will say this about Ron DeSantis. He was better than last debate, but he still sucked. He still was not like the best of the, uh, at this debate. And, as long and again, as he's but, Ron DeSantis, he's going to suck. He doesn't, it's not there. He does not have And it. I think part of his problem was he, and we'll talk about Nikki Haley next, but she's sort of stealing the mantle of the non-Trump alternative from him, or at least the, that field has become too crowded now, and Ron DeSantis does not look like he is in second. Like, look, according to polls, he's still second place nationally, and in, depending on which early state poll you look at in, in early states. But he certainly didn't act like that or seem like that on the stage tonight. Yeah, that's that's sort of what I mean, though, when I say that I feel like, you know, <laughs> it's not going to do anything, but at least it's it seems like she had some sort of goal for what she was going to do in the debate. You know, I do think she's taken that mantle. I think she was feisty in a way that Chris Christie wasn't, right? Like, I think she actually was the only one to do something with that time. Let's hear some of uh, Nikki Haley's feistiness from tonight. That we could have. And what you've got, I honestly, every time I hear you, I feel a little bit dumber for what you say. Hmm. Because I can't believe Ron DeSantis is against fracking. He's against drilling. He's been against. You did it. Every He always talks about what happens on day one. You better watch out because what happens on day two is when you're in trouble. I appreciate Tim. We've known each other a long time. But he's been there 12 years and he hasn't done any of that. Literally. Bring it, Put $50,000 on curtains. On the uh, curtains? Do you? Yes. Homework, Tim, because Obama bought those curtains. Did you send them back? It's in the press. Did you send them back? Did you get a gift receipt for those fucking curtains or not, <laughs> Nikki? <laughs> they take the credit. They'll take the credit. The curtains exchange was one of the, the dumbest exchanges of an otherwise very dumb debate. Yeah, two people, two people in single digits in the polls arguing each other over a curtain purchase from the State Department in 2017. <laughs> Literally, that's what, that's what that was about. The beginning of that clip... Uh, when she said, I, I'm dumber every time I hear you speak, was about uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, <laughs> which was, I wanted to cheer when she said that, I think, because he is extremely annoying. But I think, like, so she was she was feisty, sort of went after a bunch of other candidates, but I also think that her answers were, they're just, like, solid answers. She seemed like she commanded the stage more than almost anyone else. Again, I don't... Just, uh, I'm on not, a low bar. She's not in yeah. danger Come on, of Dan. becoming the Republican yeah, no, 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 at all. Come on, Dan. <laughs> Tell us what you liked about Nikki Haley. <laughs> Yes, she commanded the stage more than Doug Burgum. You are correct. <laughs> what, go after to the extent dog. that she has a plan, and I agree she has a plan. It's not a plan to win, but she... What is, then what is it? What is it a plan? Well, do? it is a plan... <laughs> I'm curious yeah. What she is doing... It, Nate Cohn, I thought, write about, wrote about this very smartly in the New York Times this morning, is she's appealing to a faction of Republicans. She is appealing to the specifically to the non-Trump vote. She's not doing it by attacking Trump. But she's trying to be the normal Bush-like Republican, traditional Republican. DeSantis's problem is he has no constituency because he's trying to just be a worse version of Trump. And the Trump voters are very happy with Trump. So why would they do that? Nikki Haley is go, and that may be why she goes after Tim Scott, because Tim Scott is her competition for that lane. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I think she genuinely hates Vivek. That was sincere. That yeah, was the only moment of sincerity on there. And I think they all that's one thing that brought them all together. And maybe America. Yeah, because there was a moment when she 
they, they've all got sort of like oppo research on vivek they've got these oppo files that they've just been waiting to use there was like you know reports that some of them were going to use them in the last debate specifically ron desantis because it's super pack like they're flooding their out. torpedo tubes right yeah <laughs> and it's some of it has to do with business in china i don't know they all hate china that's all they talked about all night when one of them attacked him on china suddenly like four different candidates on stage were just like China this, China that, China. Like, they all jumped on. I, I also that. dislike China. Yes, that was also something I was going to do. That's something that my <laughs> He likes was China. Do. I don't. He likes China. He has a history with China. I don't. I'd like to interrupt to say that, that was something that I was going to also say. That was something I planned to do about now. <laughs> and I'm going to do it now. Am I doing it? I'm not doing it now. Got it. Vivek Ramaswamy, who I think in the first debate, I was like, he's extremely annoying, but maybe... There's the part of the Republican base that likes Donald Trump would like what Vivek Ramaswamy is selling tonight. I cannot imagine why any human being of any political persuasion would enjoy spending any time with Vivek Ramaswamy. He's the, the most annoying. Yeah, I, I here was my takeaway. As <laughs> Smarmy. Having, I missed the first debate because I was on vacation and that was my time. <laughs> and you couldn't have it. Uh, but so this was my first time seeing him in this kind of a forum. And it is a testament to the fucking charisma vacuum, don't have it, automaton losers that are on that stage <laughs> that anyone thinks this guy has any charisma. He is, he and Ron DeSantis are from the same mold. They have the same style. They have the same uh, 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 appealing way of explaining things to you. And I just, I don't get it. Yeah, he's, he's less robotic than DeSantis, but just as annoying, maybe more he's so. He's annoying in a different way. Different way, like... Just like smarmy, know-it-all kind of way. Yeah, you were, I don't know if we're going to play the clip, but there was this, the moment where he was talking about how I'm here to listen. I came to listen and learn and- Right before, right before Nikki Haley fucking destroyed him. Bodied him. him. And it does (laughs) seem like there must be some feedback they're getting about how unappealing and kind of uh, uh, mansplaining this guy's. I think there was a thought because he really did dominate the stage. The last time he was the only person who like drove a narrative, who he got most of the speaking time. He, people were responding to him, which felt out of completely out of nowhere, given the fact that most of the Americans had never seen him before that moment. And I think there was a sense that, oh, is he going to be the breakout candidate from this debate? And he did not. He's actually, I think, lost a little bit of ground since the debate, the national polling average. And I am positive from having watched this that their focus groups say that people found him annoying and pretentious. <laughs> and he went into this debate. People, I guess I guess those voters were correct. I mean, some, the voters some, are not sometimes always Sometimes the voters. <laughs> and he went in this debate with a plan to try to sand down the edges of that annoyingness, which is why he did not, when he, people came after him, that's why he, instead of fighting back as he did last time, he was just like, Ronald Reagan, 11th commandment, policy debate. And then he did that pra- completely rehearsed routine about saying that he would listen to people and get advice from older people and <laughs> all of this. Do you think that his polls might be affected by the fact that he has the hairstyle of your third pick for a DJ for a bar mitzvah? <laughs> his hair is, gets bigger with every debate. The fuck is that? He um I didn't really land that joke. Just <laughs> <laughs> kind of got stuck in the middle. <laughs> Leave it at I don't care. He This uh, is free. He had a lot of, he, t- he talked a lot about kids in social media. He was it was a big big problem of his. It's that's his response. I'm gonna, I'm gonna book him on offline. So. That's his response to being on TikTok. He's the only Republican candidate on TikTok. Oh yeah. And so he's gotten a lot of crap for that. He's also yeah. talked about getting drugs on Snapchat. Yeah, uh, yeah one, there's a fentanyl baby. Yeah. Wait, one one just small somewhat serious point, which is it is really despicable that Dana Perino decided that one thing she wanted to get out of this debate was some kind of pledge from each of the candidates to pass a federal law to require, I guess, teachers and school nurses to out kids to parents if those kids come to those teachers and tell them that they're gay or trans or or non-binary, what have you, that that's what she viewed as a really interesting and exciting way to make the most of this debate, to get some kind of yes or no answer on this on well, this, she, this she pegged, bigoted question? She pegged the question off an answer that Christie gave to Stuart Varney, one of, the, one of the co-moderators, like just last week, which is wild. And she, it's the only question that she followed up on like 12 times. Like she tried to pin Doug Burgum down repeatedly on it. Like that's one of her, that's what she thinks is the most important thing she can do on this forum is try to shift the Republican Party to the right on the issue of, I mean, that's of giving, trans that's and, giving her a lot gay of, kids. That's giving her, uh, I think, more credit than she deserves on having any kind of strategy because all three moderators just were like bowled over by the candidates. Could They were like interrupted all the time. They couldn't get a word. It was, it was wild. It's wild. 
As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How do you cope when there's something weighing on you or something you need to get off your chest? You know the best way to do it? Best way to cope is to talk about it. Not just cram it down. Not do what generations of New Englanders have done. Just stuff their feelings down. Maybe cover it with a coat of booze. No. You got to talk to someone. You got to work it out. Get it off your chest. And just by doing that, you will feel better. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash PSA. Go today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P-S-A. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. Let's talk about Chris Christie, Lovett's pal. You know, I think we said in the first debate, he didn't sort of take all the opportunities he had to really go after Donald Trump. His first question to him, here's what he said in this debate. And you're not here tonight, not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. All right. I want to ask Governor DeSantis. Love it. I think that was a great line that you gave him. I don't know what everyone's (laughs) talking about. I think you did a... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, it Great was sort job. of like we did it. It was sort of like how the correspondence there, you know, we kind of worked on it together. Some of it was his. The, I don't remember if it was Donald Duck thing was mine or it was his. We kind of went back and just, forth. Yeah. But that's our partnership. Yeah. It's sort of like a it's gestalt. The... Uh, I, man, no one has ever been so close to landing a plane on a beautiful and clear day <laughs> and then, <laughs> then exploded right on the runway. Again. It was a great moment. And then it lands on Donald fucking Duck. What's going on? Who are in these debate prep uh, sessions with Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie, all of them? Donald and, and Duck. He, and he has, oh, the Donald Duck line. They're all like, yeah, yeah, sir, that's great. Do the Donald Duck line. That's what? It was Dan? wild. <sighs> I mean, before we came in here, I decided to do a little prep. So I clicked <laughs> on a news article from NBC News that was six <laughs> takeaways from the debate. <laughs> and and oh, one, no, number three was Chris Christie got Donald Duck trending on Twitter. Uh, it was the thing of it. It was a good moment for him too. We were all like, "Oh, this is a good moment. This was a good hit." Yeah, he was, and we're like, he was, "Here we go." He had Which, some energy. How does it, it end? Early in the debate, he's looking at the camera. It was like, it was like, all right. Now that's the Chris Christie that I fell in love with. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Chris Christie from my younger days. It was just. Yeah. Then he had another. He you know he hit Trump for not building the wall. He's about oh, Trump's going to said he was going to build the wall and have Mexico pay for it, but he only built 52 miles and if Mexico knew it had only been 52 miles, maybe they would have paid for it, which is like it's, it's so, on its way to something. It's, what, is it's it, on its way. <laughs> is it 2017? Like what is happening? Yeah. It's just it's again, again just cut to an insurrectionist being like only 52 miles. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Scott, Tim Scott got a got his note from the last debate was you didn't say anything. Uh, you were too quiet. 
So <laughs> um, you got to make your case. Sir, um, we've looked at some of the uh, cross tabs after your performance in the first debate. And our view is just strategically, we think you should speak. <laughs> and obviously that may not help. We're probably not confident that speaking will have as much of an effect as we'd like. But it's the only thing we can do on a debate stage. <laughs> he did speak. Uh, he did speak a lot more this debate. But he, Tim Scott kind of did a, I'm going to give different parts of my stump speech. Yeah. You know? And someone obviously told him, you know, you're, you're lean on your personal story. That's where you're inspiring your hope message, all that kind of stuff. So he sort of did a lot of rhetoric around there, but often it didn't make sense with the question that was asked to him. And I, I don't to know. No end. It's to no, to end. no end. Why are you running for president? I still don't know. Well, the, he got the first question, which was about the economy. And I literally looked at my computer, looked up and he was talking about fentanyl on the border. <laughs> yeah, he did, that, he did that a lot. They A lot of them just sort of pivoted to another question or topic that they wanted to talk about. And, and not not to topics that might be easier, more or more conducive to, a, to a, <laughs> a good moment for them. There was one moment where Dana Perino's best moment was, I think it was Pence who went on some tangent and she's like, I believe the question was about healthcare." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was about it was about health care. And um, his answer was. I would pursue the federal death penalty for anyone uh, involved in a mass shooting. Expedited death penalty. Expedited for, death for penalty. mass shootings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that'll that'll do That's it. That's health That's his health care plan. Yep. Uh, uh, hey, why didn't we think of that? So Mike Pence was at the debate. Mm-hmm. He tested out some jokes again. Uh, he had one terribly lame line about, you know, Joe Biden shouldn't be on the picket line. He should be on the unemployment line. And no one, laughed, no one laughed. No one laughed. Pause for laughter. For the, the, Mike Pence's problem is like no one in the audience. Not a lot of Mike Pence fans out there. A lot of Mike, a lot of Mike Pence. We should hang him, people. But yeah. not, not a lot of Mike yeah, Pence fans. A lot of people want to hang, but not with. <laughs> he's struggling with the with. <laughs> so at one point, Chris Christie's talking about teachers unions and he's railing against teachers unions. Speaking of railing. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on. So, and then he, a really sort of gross attack on Joe Biden. He says, oh, well, Joe Biden's sleeping with a member of the teachers union because Dr. Jill Biden, the first lady of the United States, is a teacher and a member of a teachers union. I don't think it's that gross. It's, <laughs> that man fucks his wife. What's the problem? Well, it's just like, it's the first lady and you're just like, hey, sleeping with a member of the teachers union. I know you're a Christie fan. First lady, um, what? Listen. Listen, uh, this is we're going to be whatever sec- whatever comes next is going to be edited out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think if more people thought Joe Biden was fucking Jill Biden, maybe these age problems wouldn't be as big of a deal in the polls. Okay. How about that? Okay, that's a fair point. That's Thank a fair you. point. Anyway, well, Mike Pence heard that and said, I got to get on on this. <laughs> so, uh, here I mean in the debate. In the de- <laughs> Jesus. What are you talking about? You well, sound crazy. Well, let's listen to what he said. Let's listen to what he said. Chris, you mentioned the president's situation. I'm, my wife uh, isn't a member of the teachers union, but I got to admit, I've, I've been sleeping with a teacher for 38 years. And um, Mike, ah, I feel. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Great. Great. This is great. Look at these people. They're being sex positive on a debate stage. That's unprecedented. Unbelievable. And then we finally come to Doug Bergen, <laughs> my guy Doug. He was wild. I don't know what else to say about him. He, he like interrupted a lot. Again, someone must have told him, sir, you didn't speak much last debate. So he just like interrupted on every single question, but he didn't answer the question. He just like said something else. At one point, he like interrupted to say uh, the, the strike is happening because Joe Biden's interference in capital markets. <laughs> And it was like, he kept doing this thing of like, I'm sorry, but I just have to interrupt to say what nobody's willing to say. A different version of what you've all been saying. I'm Doug Burgum. You got Burgum. So <laughs> just to wrap this up, uh, one of Dana Prino's last question, I think it was her last question, was <laughs> a little wild. Here's, here's, uh, here's what she asked for uh, to wrap up the debate. If you all stay in the race, former President Donald Trump wins the nomination. None of you have indicated that you're dropping out. So, which one of you on stage tonight should be voted off the island? I vote Donald Trump off the island right now. That was it. That was there, which, were, which... there was a process by which they came up with this idea. <laughs> they ran it by large groups of people, and it made it to the debate stage. And you know what? Like, Chris Christie, he gave it a... 
He gave it the old college try. He there. had to be called out because true. he they, did oh, not yeah, volunteer they, it. Stuart Varney had to come back to him later and say, "I saw you writing something down. You what should, did you, you write down?" To, no, this was so you have to understand. So what happens is Dana Perino starts this question, and as Reed pointed out before he recorded, it's on its way to actually an important point, which is. If you all stay in the race, Donald Trump is the nominee. None of you can, if all of you are here, none of you can can, can succeed. What is the process by which any one of you is going to be the one to take on Trump? Some and version of that. she also said, like, and you're all down like 40 points. You Does anyone have a strategy but to, the, to win? But then she turns it to this, now writes someone's name down and gave Ron DeSantis his best and most human moment of the night, which is like, I'm not going to do that. That's not fair. Everybody put on suits. And then... <laughs> When, then, I, when I would have simply said, Doug. Doug Burgum. But what's funny is, what's funny is, as that's happening, Chris Christie's writing down a name, and he's like, I agree, we shouldn't be writing down any names. <laughs> and he's like, you, Governor Christie, you've written something down. down. Tell like, us. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't write it. I wrote down, uh, I wrote down uh, terrorism. I wrote down uh, uh, Chinese communists. I wrote down whatever you think I needed to write down. I didn't write down one of these people's names, not Doug Burgum, not this freak Doug Burgum who has no business being here. Yeah, and then he said, you know, Doug, uh, Donald Trump shouldn't be on the island and blah, blah, blah. And then then someone interrupted him, Vivek again. Yeah, Vivek like, came in. He was like, I think Trump was great. I loved from Donald Trump. And then they're like, that's it. That's how we're ending it. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually was, yeah. that's Yeah. It was... so you guys think this uh, debate moves the needle at all for anyone? Maybe Nikki Haley creeps up a little bit. Maybe she... Maybe she captures some of that. She gets to the tweens. <laughs> some, yeah. of that, some of that Ron DeSantis, some of the Ron DeSantis voters go to Nikki. Yeah. Can we, Maybe I some look. of the Tim Scott voters. Maybe some of the Mike Pence, the two Mike Pence, hey, Mike me, Pence voters. Let me, let me, uh, hold on. Let me just, let me, let me, let me, let me get myself on a, a cable news panel for a second. You ready for a second? Ready yeah, for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I think, I think, you know who won this debate tonight? Donald Trump. <laughs> It's the titles for Dan's message box tomorrow. Why did you steal it? No, I gotta rewrite it. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's talk about let's talk about Donald Trump. Sure. Uh, who is you know the likely Republican nominee at this point? Fuck, fuck. He was at a uh, he gave a speech in Detroit. He tried to counter program the debate. He made a big deal about going to speak to auto workers and workers in Detroit and blah blah blah. Turns out he spoke at a um, a non union shop was invited by management. Uh, they make car parts. Unclear if there, there was, it doesn't seem like there was any UAW workers in the crowd. Uh, it was certainly was unclear if there would be. And basically he gave the speech, you know, it was this typical bullshit, but um, he was really, really thirsty for the endorsement of the UAW during the speech. Let's listen. But your leadership should endorse me and I will not say a bad thing about them again and they will have done their job. If they endorse me, they will have the easiest labor leadership job anywhere in the country. If you could speak to Sean, he's listening right now, I'm sure. Sean, endorse Trump and you can take a nice two-month vacation, come back, and you guys are going to be better than you ever were. So uh, here's what Sean Fain, the uh, head of the UAW, had to say. I find a pathetic irony that the former president is going to hold a rally for union members at a non-union business. I see no point in meeting with him because I don't think the man has any has any bit of care about what our workers stand for, what the working class stands for. He serves a billionaire class, and that's what's wrong with this country. So there you have it. So I guess you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> really thirsty. Uh, the Detroit News was there, and um, they interviewed some people in the crowd. Uh, one person in the crowd had a sign that said, Union Members for Trump. They interviewed her and she said uh, she was not a union member. And then another person had a sign that said auto workers for Trump and they interviewed him and uh, he said he was not an auto worker. <laughs> this is encouraging their fellow auto workers to be for Trump. That's yeah, true. That's, yeah. not, that's, that's a, malicious yeah. as you suggest. Uh, what'd you guys think of the Trump speech? There's plenty to make fun of. I think that like, it's interesting watching Trump speak and then go into that debate. He is trying to make this argument to try to peel off some share of Biden voters in these states, and I think we should take it seriously. The argument that basically, you know, EVs are bad for the Midwest, EVs are bad for unions, EVs are bad for American workers, uh, especially when one of the arguments that UAW is making is the fact that a lot of these battery plants aren't union, that this shift to electric vehicles could mean fewer union shops in the United States is like, it is a real and serious argument that could resonate with people, even if Trump is the worst messenger for it and was an incredibly anti-union, anti-worker, anti-middle-class president. So I think the question is, like, how do Democrats and Biden make sure that he doesn't get away with that? 
It's a great question. Can <laughs> <laughs> so we fly in? Can we fly another drink in for Dan? <laughs> I think love it. You. Love his point is you have to wade through. We watched the whole speech, yeah, which no did. one else is going to do. And in it was, the on, whole it was on Newsmax only. Yes. And by like, the way, so you all know. And by the way, midway through on Newsmax, they did a picture in picture of a fucking fundraiser for Rudy Giuliani's yeah. legal and defense. A picture fund. of him up there looked like looked like he was dead. Yeah, they're just gonna when he dies, they just cross it out and write memorial fund. Yeah, they they, they alternated between that picture and then please buy a gold coin. Yeah, yeah, just buy gold, and if you buy gold, you'll get. Uh, they said take control of your finances was the slogan for the gold company <laughs> physical gold they make it very clear it's physical gold yeah. Bob, Bob Menendez has called him up <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's how he's going to pay for his legal defense <laughs> um, but if you watch the whole speech there's a ton of insanity in there but buried in there which is what most people will see either through clips that are shared or more likely in the billions of dollars of ads that Trump's campaign and Republican super PACs air is a very potent grievance message targeted at workers who've been left behind in this economy. Now, Trump doesn't mention that he is someone who was the most anti-worker president in American history, who passed a tax cut that most of that offense went to the rich and encouraged and led to the more offshoring of American jobs, who got rid of overtime pay for 8 million Americans, costing them more than a billion dollars in wages. So he has a record there, but what we have to take very seriously is... He is speaking in a language of populism that works in an environment where people are very unhappy. And all of the polling shows that we are in a very fertile environment for that sort of economic nationalism and populism. If it doesn't, it doesn't match up to his record, obviously, but the only people who are going to make sure that that is known is us, right? It's Democrats and people who want to defeat Trump. The press isn't going to do it. It's not going to happen on its own. We're going to have to make that case to fight back against it and uh, and also speak to those concerns ourselves with our rhetoric. We can't just simply be, look at everything we've, not that Joe Biden is doing this, but look at everything we've done. Do you, let me just read to you some of the subsections of the Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah. Even though all that stuff is really good, there is a tremendous discontent. And I think it says something about sort of the populist moment we're in is that the Republican candidates were afraid to criticize striking union members. Uh, with the exception of Tim Scott, who was like, yeah, you're asking for too much. That's all, that's what I have to say. But even he walked away from his own, yeah. uh, but all of them up there, and Trump in particular, in a different environment, in a different moment, the Republican Party would be attacking union thugs and bosses, and why are they out there? And th they'll say the union members are misleading the rest of the workers, but they, look, they all looked at that with such trepidation. And that is a moment that Democrats should own a moment of worker empowerment, a fight for higher wages. That is us, and Trump is trying to co-opt it, and we're going to have to fight really hard not to let that happen. I also, I also think, you can just tell, he's just so much more comfortable in the role of challenger than he was as incumbent, right? Because his whole message, you know, people call him like a feral genius, but it's not, it's 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 pretty easy. Who calls him that? You know, all the annoying people <laughs> uh, <laughs> on this kind of stuff. But his message is easy, and it always has been. It's like, the establishment is awful. Everything's fucked up. I'm the guy who can fix it. I do good deals. And aren't you annoyed with what the elites and everyone in Washington has done to this country? Aren't you pissed? And I'm the vessel for your anger, right? Like that's his whole, that was his shtick in 2016. And it was complicated in 2020 because he was fucking president for four years and people didn't like what they saw generally. But now he can be like, oh, well, I know everyone has, you know, really short memories. So forget about those four years. You're pissed now, and I'm the guy that's going to go after the establishment. That's what he's trying to do. And so I think that you're right, which is you can't fight that by being like, no, 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 everyone's wrong. Things are great. What you have to do is just, as we've said a million times, like turn it into a choice. If he becomes president again, this is what he's going to do. And hold him responsible for the problems he is claiming to be the one who can he can solve. And I mean, he will get us right back into that. I mean, we just got to, that's why like every time, and it's also why Donald Trump doesn't ever talk about a second term agenda. All he talks about is like, you're pissed about that. I'm going to fix it when I get in there. It was great when I was president. I'm going to fix it again. But like, he's not laying out any fucking second term no, agenda but, because he knows that his stuff, his policies are unpopular. Right. And but, right. And where they are signaling anything around his agenda, it is a lower corporate tax rate to just to to get that out there and to just sort of shore up those interests and uh, remind everybody that yeah, yeah, I'm going to talk kooky on the on the stump, but you can count on me when the yeah. when the chips are down.
As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. So Joe Biden, earlier than, than Trump, like day before, did go and become the first U.S. president to ever join a picket line. And he uh, joined striking auto workers in Detroit. Uh, here's a little sound from his visit. You guys, the UAW, you saved the automobile industry back in 2008 and before. Made a lot of sacrifices. Gave up a lot. And the companies were in trouble. But now they're doing incredibly well. And guess what? You should be doing incredibly well, too. You deserve what you've earned, and you've earned a hell of a lot more than you're getting paid now. Pretty big deal that he uh, joined a picket line. Yeah, real, kind of real fuck you to the writers, but uh, <laughs> been out there for months. Okay. Well, you don't, you don't like suits? <laughs> you don't think the suits people should get a little of this, get a taste of this Netflix action? Joe Biden should have come to Hollywood. Yeah. And just hung out outside Netflix. Yeah. Just like... <laughs> yeah. I think that, that we these room minimums. I think it's great that he went. I think yeah. it's a big deal. It was like like that's that's where he should be, both physically, but also like that's his that that's the best message, right? That he's going to be the guy who's fighting for workers. And it again, it doesn't have to be part of the message is here's the things I've done over the last four years. But a big part of the message is, and this is why I'm going to keep fighting. And if you put me back in the White House and you give me a Democratic majority. We're going to keep fighting for workers. Here's the proof that we've been trying and we're going to keep going. And these Republicans are going to sell you out. And, you know, they had a the, the Biden campaign ran an ad today, like hitting Trump for being a fake populist, which is great. And, uh, you know, so it's a it's the right message. I, think. I also think just like we're watching this debate and they all just go back to like, where's Joe Biden? He's in the basement. It's like, hey, hey, man, everybody's doesn't... watching the news. He just got back from a foreign trip. He's at the UAW. He's not in his basement. Yeah. Doesn't work. One other thing happened, Dan, that you alluded to at the top of the show. Um, yesterday, a New York State Supreme Court justice ruled that Donald Trump committed fraud uh, by exaggerating his wealth and the value of his assets on financial forms. Um, basically, Trump and his companies uh, used the false information to they got uh, better terms on loans, insurance rates, taxes. And this happened this was summary, a summary judgment from a judge. This is all before the fraud trial actually begins. Uh, it is slated for this fall. But now the trial basically focuses on uh, how big of a fine Trump will pay, what the punishment will actually be. If the ruling stands, <laughs> basically the attorney general's office, Letitia James, is seeking $250 million in penalties. And the judge could bar and may likely bar Donald Trump and his sons from running any business in New York. Should this have any, do you think this will have any effect on anyone? Do you think anyone wants to, uh, anyone, anyone's going to be swayed by the fact that the guy who wants to be president uh, was just found liable for fraud, can't, can't do business anymore, was well, just lying about his, his net worth? No one watching the Republican debate because no one mentioned it. The effect that the guy is running to be in charge of the federal budget and he was just accused of fraud seems like a relevant piece of information you could share with voters. I mean, just to just to add a little more detail here about like how big a deal this is, as we've talked about before, your Attorney General Letitia James charged Trump with these crimes. 
that was headed to trial, she filed a motion that said, the evidence of Trump's fraud is so obvious, it's not even worth having the trial over. Like, just look at it. It's so clear. Like, there's not even a shadow of a doubt that he is guilty of fraud. So let's just rule on that right now so we can get to the business of penalizing him for the fraud that is so obvious. And that is what happened. I mean, it is a huge deal. Like, we, David K. Johnson, who was a uh, very well-known uh, tax writer for the New York Times, uh, was on Twitter, and he su- he suggested that this could likely end with New York State repossessing Trump's properties, including his apartment in Trump Tower, which is the part he still owns, potentially parts of Mar-a-Lago. And there's, of course, like, you know, Eric Trump and Donald Trump, too, in his statement. They, they, they were like, well, the judge said that Mar-a-Lago was worth this much and that couldn't be. And what really happened here is like when Trump wanted to lower his taxes, he would claim a low valuation for a property. When he wanted to get cheap loans, he would inflate the valuation. So basically what he was doing is he was just changing the valuation depending on whether he wanted loans or whether he wanted to pay lower taxes. And not everyone gets to do that. And also, but and some of this wasn't just subjective, like how much is Mar-a-Lago? He lied about things like the square footage yeah. of various apartments, right? These are things that these are things that don't change. Uh, yeah, I do like the, the, do you think Biden should like, does the Biden campaign do anything with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they don't have to do it right now, but over the course of time that this is, it's, it's a bit like, I, I think that a core part of their message is going to be about that. We don't want to return to the chaos and corruption of Trump. And you're going to have to make that case and a judge finding him guilty of fraud for inflating his, his assets by $2 billion. Seems after, after a jury in New York found him liable uh, for raping Eugene Carroll? It is, like, part of it is is that Trump is not in this for you. He's in it for himself and his rich friends. And this is a piece of evidence to that, right? That is key because during his speech today, he was like, you know, Joe Biden, Crooked Joe is just out there enriching himself because he like makes up stories about how you know Biden China money and all that kind of stuff. Um, so he said that he's like, but I'm in it to help you because he, so he knows he said I'm in it to enrich you, not myself. Right. Yeah. Which and he's is... like, I didn't need to do this. I was having so much fun living my life and I just did this for you. And now I'm getting the shit kicked out of me, but now I'm here. Oh, I could have done something else. Meanwhile, but you're I, doing it to stay out of fucking jail, man. Well, now that's <laughs> the thing I'd say, dude, look, one, one thing that comes across, I think it was true in the, in the, in the meet the press interview. It was true in, uh, the rally that we watched. He's running the threat of prison hangs over him, sharpens the senses. Yeah, uh, it's made him a little more disciplined in his message. It has, but I will say like, yeah, there's political implications for the fact that they just found uh, that we can go right to the uh, damages phase for the fact that he's a fraud, sure. They're coming for his money and he's been lying about his worth this whole time. And that that has to be genuinely terrifying for him. Yeah. There's a real threat that before he can ever get back to power, even if he does become president, whatever, that he doesn't have the ability to use politics to stop these people from taking his apartment, from taking his wealth, from forcing him to actually confront what his actual net worth is. Like that is the only scared. way out is winning. I hon- I honestly think that like if he had to choose between being rich and wearing a jumpsuit, right? Like coming out of going to jail and coming out rich or losing all that he has. I don't think that's a close call for him. I don't think he wants either. Well, but... who would? Who would? <laughs> In fairness. No, and look, he's, I should say, he's a little more disciplined. He's also still talking about windmills and whales and confusing Jeb Bush and all that kind of stuff. But... Yeah, that's also true. That's also part of it. He really, but he's, the, he's, the whales he's got thing. The, he's sort of got the, the 16 message, which is me against the establishment on behalf of you, right? That was sort of the message and it was all bullshit and stuff like that. But that's what he did in 16. And then in 20, he was sort of like in a rabbit hole of fucking, you know, right-wing YouTube comments. Yeah, uh, and, and sort of fascistic flourishes. <laughs> right, right, right. This yeah. was a bit more, like the speech today was a bit more sort of a clean, the parts where <laughs> the parts that were the message around the working class basically take that kind of broader message that he was doing for a long time. And he basically says like, I have been fighting for years to take on the elites on behalf of the working class, which is a change uh, and which, you know. Yeah. I would just. Good message for him. Like to understand the environment that this is happening in, this is a much, much, much more fertile political environment for Trump's message than it was in 2016. 2016, economy was doing fine. People weren't particularly grumpy. Trump largely won because of complacency in a sense that things were, to- were fine after two- eight years of Obama. Now there's a Pew poll that came out a couple of weeks ago that it's part of their regular series that looks at the political at how people's feelings on the political system in this country, and the percentage of people who hate both parties highest in history, people who are exhausted and frustrated by politics highest in history, people who think politics are corrupt and politicians are corrupt highest in history. Like we are, 
people are angry and they think the system is not working and they're mad at both parties. And that's going to have very real consequences. This is not the 2020 environment. Right. It's and we shouldn't overstate hard. like, and they don't like Donald Trump. Most people don't they like do Donald not, Trump. They do not. He, more people, Donald Trump, for all the crap about Joe Biden's favorable ratings, they are better than Donald Trump's. For most working class people, this isn't working. Like we should just get all that out there. But again, an election in 2020 that was decided by 40,000 votes across three states, it, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. So, you know, for all the silliness and pointlessness of the uh, Republican debate, what who seems to be the most likely nominee, <laughs> Donald Trump, is out there and uh, is, you know, going to be as tough to beat as he's been in, in the last election. So everyone should uh, get to work. VoteSaveAmerica.com. Okay. We were going to call Tommy, who's going to go to the debate, but... Hannah wasn't feeling well, and he had to stay home and uh, and and take care of Lizette. So um, no Tommy at the debate, which honestly, good for Tommy. Yeah. But- <laughs> yeah. D- don't go to the Reagan Library unless you have to. That's, that's an old saying in my house. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think he won that one. We do have a few housekeeping notes before we go. Before you fill up your fall calendar with apple picking... <laughs> Jesus Christ. I love it when you read the housekeeping. Oh, my God. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't re- Usually I try to read it first. That's why that was good. That was uh, good you one. don't need that many apples. <laughs> also, Pod Save America is going on tour. There it is. Uh, we'll be in D.C., Louisville, Cleveland, New Orleans, San Diego, and San Jose. Make sure to get those tickets before they sell out. Uh, and while you're on the events page, don't forget to check out the Love It or Leave It tour dates as well. That was, wow. What are what? what the, hey, <laughs> eat not, shit, housekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> love, love, love It is heading to Atlanta, Asheville, and Chattanooga next with amazing guests like Atlanta housewife Candy Burris, comedians Ms. Pat, T.S. Madison, and many more. Uh, remember, there are apples at the store. <laughs> <laughs> This is great. Close the loop on the Apple thing. This is great. Head to cricket.com slash events to get your tickets now. Also, listen up. Oh, this is this is for you, I guess. Listen up, cricket fans. Tomorrow, I, but not me, John Lovett, will be joining the (laughs) Friends of the Pod group thread. I love this housekeeping. We'll be joining Friends of the Pod group thread on Discord at 2 p.m. Pacific for an AMA. 2 p.m. 4 p.m. 4 p.m. It's not 2 p.m. It's 4 p.m. Pacific. 4 p.m. AMA. <laughs> okay, love it. Just learned of this. Uh, love it. You're gonna have to be on the Discord. You're gonna answer some questions from all of our subscribers and anyone who decides to subscribe after listening to this, which you should if you want to ask Love it some questions. Head to cricket.com/friends to sign up, and you know you, you get you get to talk to Love it, and you also get to be on the Discord for nights like this where we all had a, we had a great we had time a great on the Discord. Time. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It was a it was a hate watch, but we did it together. Yeah, and that was nice. Yeah, I yeah. love the way we just throw around Discord as a as a term. Again, Be on the I Discord. Don't know how it's, a, it's a it's a it's a group chat for the, for the chat. if you're if you're old like us. It's a group chat. Yeah, that's all you need. All right, everyone. Uh, we will. Uh, I guess what we got an we got an impeachment hearing on Thursday. And then the the government uh, may be shut down by the next time we record. It's, it's it almost, midnight Saturday. Midnight yeah. Saturday. So when you hear from Love It and Tommy and I on Tuesday, we could be in a government shutdown. A lot of news. A lot of news. A lot happening. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you then. Everyone have a good weekend. Bye, everyone. Pod Save America is a Crooked Media production. Our producers are Olivia Martinez and David Toledo. Our associate producer is Farah Safari. Writing support from Hallie Kiefer. Reed Churlin is our executive producer. The show is mixed and edited by Andrew Chadwick. Jordan Cantor is our sound engineer with audio support from Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis. Madeline Herringer is our head of news and programming. Matt DeGroat is our head of production. Andy Taft is our executive assistant. Thanks to our digital team, Elijah Cohn, Haley Jones, Mia Kelman, David Tolls, Kirill Pelaviv, and Molly Lobel. Subscribe to Pod Save America on YouTube to catch full episodes and extra video content. Find us at youtube.com slash at podsaveamerica. Finally, you can join our Friends of the Pod subscription community for ad-free episodes, exclusive content, and a great discussion on Discord. Plus, it's a great way to get involved with Vote Save America. Sign up at crooked.com slash friends. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware.